The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. to the business of the business podcast i am your co-host jp john pause and this is episode number 11 of the show of course joining me is my co-host mr trump mania himself lavi margolin lavi how you doing today sir i'm doing good i i feel like um i should be streaming more or something just to be on top of the news and the latest developments it's crazy. Everything is, is streaming, streaming, streaming. I even kind of noticed something with CBS All Access. I guess that's going away, and now it's becoming Paramount streaming. So everybody is kind of conglomerating and becoming um, a big force of its own, trying to create their own huge streaming platform. HBO Max has become huge. Peacock adding WB, obviously, which we've talked about, is huge. And now it looks like Paramount is looking to expand. Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. You know, it's interesting. Paramount has that, like, historical name, but I feel like CBS is a more modern brand. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how that's going to work and what's going to go where. But I noticed that um, all the uh, Star Treks and stuff and all that kind of stuff is going to be on Paramount. Um, it looked like some other reality shows and stuff were going to be on there, aside from the movies and Yellowstone and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see kind of what they're going to do with that. And I feel like they almost should have kept Bellator on that that network because they can kind of streamline and make it easier to go to the Paramount streaming service. But what do I know? I mean, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where I feel like they uh, they could do a lot of stuff. I saw Pluto is um, has their own Bellator channel. Um, I've recently gotten into flipping between one or the other. I know that there is certainly the wrestling channel now. Have you had a chance to check it out? I have not as of yet, but a buddy of mine messaged me saying, oh, you got to check out Pluto. Didn't know Bellator was on there. Ooh, I wonder if they have some uh, some old fights on there. That's good. I, I always enjoy some Bellator. I feel like there's some a lot of underrated fighters always on Bellator. I mean, Michael Chandler came out of nowhere. Eddie Alvarez obviously uh, didn't really come out of nowhere, but he's a great fighter, fought for Bellator forever. And they have so many guys now, Pitbull, his brother. I mean, they have so many good fighters there. And they even have a Glory channel, which I love. Like I, I used to subscribe to the Glory, um, you know, streaming service or uh, video on demand service, and then got out of it a little bit. But to know that I could turn on my Pluto at any time and watch a Glory fight is pretty awesome. Oh, love me some Glory, yeah, definitely some Glory kickboxing, yeah, good stuff for sure. But I guess that's a great kind of starting point talking about some streaming today. And why not start with Pluto? And let's talk about what kind of pro wrestling is on there. Right. So, um, so Pluto had these, um, uh, you know, affiliated type of stations with Impact, 
Um, I didn't notice AAA. I think I thought that there was a AAA. Uh, I'm not sure if there was any movement. I know in the past for AAA, they had been on something like Twitch, and then they were off after negotiating it. So don't want to start anything, but I didn't notice anything on, on Pluto. So that's something definitely to be on the lookout for in case I missed it. But the Pro Wrestling Channel. So this station sort of kicked off with some attention, except some confusion. So my feeling was when I first read it was that um, IWTV, the uh, independent wrestling television, would have their own streaming station, which was called the Pro Wrestling Channel. Adding to a little bit of confusion, before it was Impact Wrestling Channel, it was the Pro Wrestling Channel. So I figured IWTV, okay, they have you know some of the more slickly produced content, and then some of their other content, I wasn't sure how it would fly, because it's very appealing if you're like a super hard care fan, but with bad lighting and bad sound systems, you know, it's not so great. But then later, I realized that it's a pro wrestling channel, they just happen to have a deal with IWTV for some content. It's interesting, like with Pluto, how do they get the content? Like, are they paying a premium for this content? Are they paying a little bit? Is is somehow, because most of it's free, right? I, I would imagine. I think all of it is free, no? Yes. So it's ad supported. So I was actually looking it up um, yesterday on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not going to mention his name just because he's not a public figure, but I was just looking up um, Pluto and, um, you know, pro wrestling. And it looks like there's one person that comes from like um, uh, MMA or at least like um, martial arts background that um, programs this type of content on the station. So, you know, they would have to um, negotiate deals um, with the different content producers. And I think that's especially interesting when you're doing it not on a channel where it's coming from one source. So not a glory or you know, impact, but you actually have to go out and, and purchase this content. Um, so I've been trying to pop in as much as I can to see, you know, what is on the station. So thus far, early in the morning, I saw Steve Austin's Broken Skull Ranch, um, saw some um, uh, older independent wrestling. There was some form of Memphis. So a lot of the stuff that you'd kind of see on Amazon Prime and some of the other streaming platforms that's not necessarily exclusive, but, you know, it's something uh, interesting to look at. You know, they had the early days of, of Mick Foley which, or, or Cactus Jack, which you often come across depending on the service, but it just looks like something fun to, uh, to pop into. It kind of felt like it would be a big deal if it was IWTV, and I was already getting curious about, like, let's say um, they signed a company to a deal for their show and that company gets paid per views or, um, you know, signing up subscribers. So how would that work? Did the contracts reflect that? And then I was sort of taking a leap and um, thinking about when Game Changer Wrestling was having a little bit of controversy with them. Maybe they had been thinking about IWTV wanting to use it for this new platform. But, you know, that that's pretty much just speculation right now. Curious, though, how... Do they make money? I know it's ad supported, but are they making a ton of money or like how are they doing financially? So Pluto, that is right. So, you know, Pluto is part of, you know, one of the bigger conglomerates, I think Viacom. So Viacom, I think, is a public company, but I don't know if they if they break it down so far as to show like what the results are of Pluto, but certainly Pluto has been growing as a platform and sort of like for one that's not 
specifically any one brand like a Disney that it seems to be one of those emerging as, um, you know, as the leaders in the space. How do they kind of acquire? Is it just really through Viacom they're using that library and it's just easy to kind of go from one sector of the company to another? Because how are they acquiring all this great content like Belt or like Glory? I like the pro wrestling stuff. Yeah, I think so. You know, if it's in-house, then it's a lot easier. But um, but the the person whose role this isn't like a senior programming role, you know, they might ident- if they're focused on a particular space. So there's, you know, let's say five to eight sports channels. Most of them are fighting channels. So they might um, think about, you know, what would be a value for them and to reach out. But they're probably also getting pitched by various content producers and syndicators. I'd love to sort of delve deeper into how, they're reaching out to build out this new programming channel. Maybe we'll we'll reach out and see if we can get them on the uh, podcast one day. Yes, definitely. You know, the IWTV, we're talking about independent wrestling and stuff. Do you think that that is a like revenue stream? Is that a big money maker, IWTV, for, for the independent wrestling? I think it's been helpful. It's sort of like... Um, probably on top of wherever you are, if you're like a big buzz promotion, like let's say like a game changer wrestling, although we talked a little bit about the controversy and they seem like they're pointing more towards like a, a fight now. Like if a lot of people are viewing it and you're able to get people to sign up for the service, then it could be, you know, especially for a small company, a good revenue driver, but for the smaller companies that are getting just, um, uh, a little views here and there. It's it's probably a small amount. I w- I would speculate, but people see it's it seems to be the go to destination for this type of wrestling. So that's good, and it, it's a little bit of an attention grabber in itself. If you say, okay, we're now on IWTV. Yeah, I'm always kind of curious of like the money factor. Like, oh, is this going to make you money? Is that going to make you money? Does that make you a bigger promotion? Sometimes I think that the promotions just do it for more visibility rather than really making money, which is just another kind of way of getting your name out there. Not free advertising, but it's a way definitely to advertise your product to the masses. Yeah, I think that's sort of like the basis of pro wrestling outside of the biggest promotions. Yeah, yeah. Do it for the publicity, brother. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to have sort of like a logo at the bottom of your poster. But And sometimes you can leverage that. And I could see that definitely being helpful for marketing purposes. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're paying your bills and, and can keep it going. So there's so many streaming services. I mean, I want to watch this wrestling, but it's on here. I want to watch this wrestling, but it's on here. I mean, it's all over the place. But the main thing that I use for streaming just in general, I have four different TVs and four different Roku sticks. Obviously, um, one of them is really for my son and what he's got going on and all, all his stuff. And my wife uses one and I use one and I kind of have an extra one. But they all have pretty much you know the same channels on it. It's all pretty much the same stuff. But that's what I use for my streaming. And this could be a free plug for Roku. But I absolutely love Roku. It's just so easy, so simple. So when I heard that New Japan Pro Wrestling is now on Roku, 
I loved it. I thought that was just perfect because, wow, I already have Roku. I've been dying to get New Japan on there for six years. I would always kind of ask them and, and ask their customer service, hey, you guys are going to be on Roku? Because it was just such an easy way to watch New Japan World because sometimes yeah, you watch on your computer. It's not the same. Or if you, you send it from your your computer to your TV screen, I don't know, it's just so much easier just to have that remote in your hand and flick through like you can on the Roku. So now New Japan Pro Wrestling is on Roku. Tell me about this deal. Right. So I think you set a good context for Roku, but um, just to explain further. So Roku hit 51.2 million active accounts, according to Deadline, in 2020, surging 55% in viewership. Um, this was up from 36.9 million at the end of 2019 and 13.4 million in 2016. So you could see you know, how explosive that growth is. And Deadline, which is sort of like one of those... Um, really reliable places for media business they said that the company has become along with amazon the major gatekeeper of streaming in the us um amazon reached 50 million active users on its fire tv platform it's interesting that you know they don't say that about um uh, netflix i guess each is sort of uh, a little bit of its own thing but now we have the um new japan on the roku channel so um, one of the things that I don't think anyone else has mentioned would be that um, Roku's senior acquisition manager, her previous job was as WWE's vice president of content distribution and business development. So now that um, New Japan, they're not just on Roku, there's the Roku channel. I'm not sure if you found your way mm -hmm. to that. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's, it's programmed. I mean, curiously, 5 p.m. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why you couldn't have done that in prime time, but, uh, you know, I'm sure people could access that at different times. So I'm not sure, um, you know, I'm not sure if it's a major discoverability tool, but it's certainly something where, like, you know, it's somebody watching Roku at 4.30 p.m. being like, oh, what, what's coming on at 5 p.m., you know, and driving people to that. And even this Variety article now lists their um, estimate at 61.8 million. So this is really, like, keeps growing. But, you know, um, if it's a contents right deal for New Japan and they're getting paid, then that's something they didn't have before. And like you said, it's really... Um, you know the go-to service obviously for for many people so this is a good platform for them and hopefully they're aligning this to to have their new japan world be accessible on roku i think that is going to be key and i think that's possibly the next step i feel like in that that they're going to be on there but i believe i could be wrong and you, and you kind of just said it there it's yeah it's on at five o'clock but i'm pretty sure you can get it anytime like once it originally airs i think it's available pretty much anytime on that channel uh, usually with with some of the other shows that are on that channel so it's one of those things where i think more people will watch it just maybe not at five o'clock right it's interesting that like some of these programmers are going back to like a grid schedule where like you think people would just um, float around and find what they want. But there is something to be said for like sort of saying what's on now. And like, I like to scroll through it because if I, um, if I have to search, I'll probably find my way back to what I've been watching, which is the USWA 1990. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on uh, the 20th week and I'm, I'm loving it. You know, that's my favorite uh, old wrestling to stream at the moment. <laughs> Wow, nice. Love that. Pretty uh 
pretty random, but uh, but pretty great for sure. <laughs> you gotta love the old uh, USWA. But as far as New Japan Pro Wrestling, I feel like they have such a strong fan base here in the United States that people will definitely be interested in in that that show and that and the Roku channel in general. Yeah, I think um, the more accessibility, the better. It's interesting that it'll be a one-hour show. So if it's going to be in English, which I assume it will, who are the announcers going to be? Is it the the usual people that do um, the English announcing, like um, Kevin Kelly, or will it be um, somebody else? So that'll be something to watch out for. But, you know, I think, like, the distinction of television, so certain media was, like, television, and, you know, they didn't say anything else about it, but others, you know, distinguished, is this television? So it is confusing, right, because you stream it on your television, but it's not actually a television station. Um, So in The Observer, it did seem like there was interest, or at least talks, from other outlets. Um, so they they said that it was a non-exclusive deal. Somebody else um, told me the night before that it was going to be Roku and, um, and that it was non-exclusive. So the fact they knew it was Roku, that means something to me, I, although I trust the word, of course, anyway. But so th- that apparently seems to be what it is, non-exclusive. So maybe they would be on traditional television if the deal is right. Um, CBS Sports Network, it seemed like there would be not a rights fee, but, you know, an advertising share, which it sounded okay to me, depending on what else you're discussing, that there was some kicking the tires from Vice that, you know, maybe if you could align it with Dark Side of the Ring programming, which would be really interesting. And of course, ESPN is a great name to have, but, you know, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't turn it down. But like, if you look at some of these like third tier type sports on ESPN and not insulting New Japan, but, you know, in terms of its profile in the U.S. compared to major sports, like, yeah, there's a lot going on at like 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., but does it really raise the profile of some of these leagues? We did kind of hint, or, or we were hinted by by New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we were kind of saying, purple, purple, why is it purple? Roku is purple and HBO Max is purple. So we remember we were, we were both kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder where it's going. And I guess that purple really was a tease and, and a, a sign of, of things to come. Yeah, and um, like I can't say that I knew because like several times I was like, it's going to be this. Like right. um, somebody, somebody mentioned to me Flow Sports and you know Adam Swift was an executive with Access TV and before that HDNet. He actually brought um, ROH apparently to HDNet and then um, worked to bring New Japan to um, Access when it was rebranded. So I was like, well, now he's with Flow and who knows New Japan better? From a media perspective, I was like, they're they're not going to do Flow Slam, but they're just doing New Japan Vertical. So I was all in on that. And then uh, then there was um, somebody mentioned being sports. I was like, yeah, television, not a game changer. Purple logo. I'd assume that MLW sort of has a exclusive on wrestling on the network. You usually sign that type of deal. But, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, they might waive that if the money was right or the opportunity was right. So that's where I was at. So it was kind of fun to follow the journey. So I can't say I knew Roku till the night before and somebody told me and I was speculating on three or four possible outlets. What about some other streaming uh, platforms? Let's say Netflix, they have a competitive advantage with be able to get some sports on there. 
Right. So that seems to be how the other leagues are are fighting them because Netflix doesn't really have any, um, you know, live sports streaming and um, bringing in something like WWE, which has a strong viewership, pulling that into Peacock. You know, that's a good uh, competitive advantage or at least makes it that you you want to have both services. So, you know, a lot of uh, streaming companies are looking at live programming, especially sports is the ultimate live programming because it kind of feels stale later with wrestling though i think it's digestible uh later as we know a lot of people um dvr the programming but um like we talked about last week i think amazon you know they they have done some sports like tennis in europe and so on i think they kick the tires a lot but i'm not sure i'm not convinced even if nick khan is that they're going to be like all in and really like pushing for sports yeah it's like one of those things where how do you kind of get better or above Netflix? What do you got to do? You know, they, they're like kind of the Kings. What do you got to do? Well, live sports could be the uh, way to go for sure. Yeah. You know, destination people want, like if you have a favorite team or favorite league, like, you know, that's what really helped to drive cable. Like once it was on cable or premium channels, like HBO, if you love boxing, you'll, if you love a certain thing or it's, it's the most important, um, uh, you know, entertainment too, you'll, you'll find a way to watch it. So as far as Ring of Honor, you know, New Japan, we're kind of talking about how they have this deal and New Japan is, you know, they're kind of set on their own. They're kind of working a little bit with AEW now. I guess they got to work in agreement, but are they still going to be working with ROH? So New Japan, Ring of Honor, what's that relationship going forward? Right. And it's funny because for years I've been tracking Ring of Honor attendance and sort of sharing charts and so on on Twitter. And what's my most popular <laughs> ROH tweet of, of all time? I have a picture of Joe Koff and I wrote, everything is still fine. The relationship with New Japan is as good as ever. All in was great for us. So he, uh, <laughs> so he's a very mm-hmm. positive person. And I've, I've had the good fortune of meeting him briefly a couple of times at Hammerstein ballroom shows. Seems like a great guy. But you know, sometimes the positivity and what's really going on behind the scenes are sort of, uh, you know, disconnected that, you know, it seemed like some of the hesitation with um, New Japan signing up originally was not really knowing where AEW was was going. And they already had a relationship with ROH that was showing some uh you know, uh, some signs of like not being as strong as it once was, but it was, it was a good draw, like a few times a year, you'd have these tours and, you know, they would sell a ton of merchandise and ROH did well, New Japan did well. But now that New Japan is with AEW, I don't know if ROH would say like, you know, we don't want to work with you, but it's it's been quite a while because of the coronavirus since they've worked together. And will they, will they come together more? You know, it seems like no, that um, New Japan is going to focus on you know an AEW relationship. I don't know for sure, so we'll have to we'll have to watch closely. I wonder if internally, I know that picture, great funny picture you put out there of Cap, but I wonder if internally they're worried at all because New Japan seems like they're you know kind of uh, I don't put ROH in their rear view. Yeah, I mean, it feels like ROH was sort of moving away from New Japan for a while when, like, I don't know if they were upset when New Japan opened up New Japan USA, but, like, it seems like the international talent that they sign comes from CMLL more. And um, some great talents like Bandito, but 
I think the timing with um, uh, CML talent hasn't been good because it, things were already on a downward trajectory. And then in the creative, they'd be like, hey, here's an international group, uh, people from Mexico, people from Europe, like whatever. <laughs> it just didn't really seem to stick well. So I could definitely see it going well if you try to understand the Hispanic market and, um, you know, you, you market towards that. There hasn't been like major Lucha Libre touring in the U.S., but like through the ROH filter, it doesn't exactly fit. Although I know that there's certainly some great talents coming from there. Let's talk a little, your favorite promotion, Triple A. I recently spoke to Hugo Savinovich. Um, interview should be out there soon, maybe next week or so, but talk to him a lot about Triple A and a lot about the things. But what's going on with them and this alliance with the Mexican Ministry of Tourism? Yeah, so this is really interesting because it's it's challenging to, of course, have have live shows now. Um, Mexico, like many places, is struggling with coronavirus, so um, they're going to be um, taping some programming at like beautiful um, spots around Mexico. Uh, one of them I saw was like an empty bull ring, which which isn't unique to wrestling, but it looked really cool. And they're going to be at archaeological sites and points of tourist interest, sort of like when you're putting it on the program, you like not only see the wrestling, but you're like, this is a beautiful location. You know, maybe I should go check that out when and things are going well. That was sort of my um, original idea for when, when people were asking, like, what if you can't have fans um, to wrestling shows? So I was like, why don't you like find like unique spots and of course it's hard to travel but like imagine like a wrestling match you know um in front of a waterfall or like you know uh by the grand canyon i mean <laughs> that could go wrong but like you know that sort of thing just like like when you think about like street fighter 2 or something you know there's like cool environments and you know take the scene out like it's kind of boring indoors like when there's like no fans or just a few fans like you know, make it make it work for you and make it interesting. Triple A, so they're all over the place. I mean, they do uh, so many different things just to either stay relevant or try to grow. I mean, we, we always talk about them each and every week about doing something, but this mobile deal, what is kind of the latest on that? What is going on with that? I mean, are they real? Is this like a, uh, a viable thing to, to grow the business? And, and what is going to be... Do like what is going to be like the the crux of this deal, right? So PUBG Mobile, I, I think they've had a deal for a little while. So you know, it's um it's a local deal there. I don't know the terms of it, but it was interesting to see that um, they had uh, AAA wrestlers participate in a recent influencer event. Um, together with uh, AAA, we made a streaming, including top streamers of the region, to give our community something fresh and new. Um, and they said that that things went went well. So it was sort of like that interconnectivity of people that are home and doing streaming services and, you know, a sponsored product. So it's a great way, like somebody like Psycho Clown is, is always uh, getting out there in the public and is really a, a big star for his region. Psycho Clown is now with Masked Republic and that uh, representation by Kevin Kleinrock and the crew over there. They just keep growing and growing, and they keep helping out. Obviously, they have a very, very good connection with AAA, very good connection with Conan. 
they constantly are adding guys to the stable and making them more recognizable in the States. And I feel like there was already that Latin fan base, but now all the other wrestling fans are like, wow, who are these guys? These guys are great. Well, they've been around for a long time and you should have known them already, but now they're being more exposed to the public. No, it's great. It's like, um, and even in the U.S., we talked about last week how culturally relevant Lucha Libre is. People know it. Um, you know, everyone knows the masks. People think about like masks when they think about pro wrestling. And uh, uh, we have to get Kevin on the show sometime. I think that would yes. be really interesting. Um, they had a um, a business podcast for a while too. I ha- I haven't caught up um, in a while, but um, but that was interesting as well. So, but. Like you mentioned, they signed Psycho Clown and his family, the Alvarado family. I'm not, I hadn't been as familiar with, you know, the familial relations, except when they say like junior or something like that, then I can follow it. But um, I learned that Psycho Clown is uh, Brazo de Plata or otherwise known as Super Porky's son. So that was kind of cool to see like how you might be able to sort of like um, market legendary figures um, to see uh, how you can grow the brand. And certainly it's great for the wrestlers that you know they have people that understand different markets and licensing to to maximize their money and uh gotta get kevin on his show coincidentally enough was called business of the business <laughs> and, oh, yeah, I we, didn't know. yeah we talked about that it's so funny because i i like completely slipped my mind when i was talking about it and i was like oh my god and i was and i and i said i literally had just spoken to vince russo about it and he had a show business business years ago. Years ago, so it's one of those things. Just like, wow, it's such a catchy name, and I love it. And obviously, stuck in both of our heads because we both wanted the show to be called that, and we absolutely loved it. So, um, little hat tip to those guys without even realizing it. We were, uh, you know, taking their stuff. But Kevin definitely, and I mentioned this to him um, a few weeks back. I said, "You got to come on the show." Kevin Kleinrock. Vince Russo, let me tell you something. <laughs> the business yes. of the business, up for grabs, <laughs> honoring, three-foot ladder, let's go. <laughs> I say we do a battle royal style. The last man surviving gets to keep the name. Um, Post-COVID, it, you know where to find me. <laughs> yes. So it, as far as some other wrestling promotions, let's talk a little bit about Championship Wrestling Golf Coast. Who is it? What is it, and does it have anything to do with David Marquez? Of course, always. So David Marquez of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Um, So, uh, you know, Triple H had a term, what was it, like hyper-localization, right? Like, so, you know, going national or international, but also be local too. So David had a great idea, um, it seems like a, a couple of years ago, where okay, you take the championship wrestling from Hollywood brand and that, that has a certain cachet and they've done really well getting that out there. But if what, what if we could sort of target it locally to a market um, and they've done that in a number of markets, most notably Houston, uh, they, they are in Houston, but also Memphis, that you sort of, you have a local host, whether it's a wrestling personality or not, or a key sponsor for that region. And you name the show um, after that region. And that's helpful for getting on, you know, local television and local sponsorship. People feel that's part of their own. So um, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, they they tape a separate show, but a lot of the uh, CW brands, um, it's taking the Hollywood wrestling content, but it's retrofitting it to, um, to uh, a specific um, market. 
interesting that they always have, like you said, Memphis and obviously Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, but they're always kind of expanding and, and doing all different things with the United Wrestling Network. And obviously David Marquez, one of the, the key cogs in the wheel over there. Do you think that all of these different promotions are big money makers or they're all kind of small money that could end up, if you put them all into a pile, end up making you some money? Yeah, that's the way that I see it. Like, so like you get all these things going and, you know, when you're doing it local, you need some local partners that it's worthwhile for the station, for a, a key sponsor to, for, you know, the host, whomever it may be that you're sort of continuing to build and get your word out there. And, you know, as you're building, you might lose some, some other stations along the way with different general management, or maybe things didn't turn out exactly, but, you know, they keep, growing and um it's awesome to see that you know like we've talked about with our wrestling list there's not a lot of standalone wrestling promotions that just have exposure in one market these days um there might be some with a few but so like championship wrestling is really like that throwback syndicated wrestling um in in so many markets and their their reach is is so uh wide although each individually i don't think is like a big money maker the kind of interesting thing about them is like you, you kind of wonder like how many people are watching and are they watching just in that market are they able to kind of expand further um, I don't, I'm always kind of wondering like how they're doing, not only financially, but how many eyeballs, what's their rating, stuff like that. And I guess because it is syndicated, that probably the number is probably harder to find and harder to tell. Yes. Yeah, so interestingly, like for the traditional markets, um, you know, Nielsen does, you know, track these things and it's like on, on sort of like computers, of course, where we can, we can't get it, but where the ratings are available. So like when they're on, you know, ABC uh, six in whatever market, you know, those ratings are tracked and they come back. And uh, I don't know if they go back to the promotion, but, but they're out there. But when it's more like on a um, digital network or, um, you know, smaller cable station, then it, then it's harder to get. So I don't know if David has sort of like a, a compositor estimate of his ratings, but some of it would be more easily available than others. How about selling masks in Japan? I saw this on the sheet here, and I was thinking to myself, what in the world does that mean? Selling masks in Japan? Actual, like, COVID masks? What are we talking about here? Are we talking about Lucha Libre masks? <laughs> So, right. So like uh, Lucha Libre inspired uh, Japanese masks. Um, so this was an interesting story where um, somebody uh, that had a uh, Mr. Kako, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, um, but um, somebody that is a pro wrestler who makes masks and costumes. So it used to be that the center of Japanese pro wrestling was Tokyo and maybe it will be uh, again, but it talks about how he went out there and opened a new store in Gunma, one of the gunman prefecture, one of the you know, regions in Japan and how the, um, the business is going well uh, there. Interesting. Uh, the uh, masks have always kind of just the regular masks have always been pretty prevalent in Japan for, I mean, we're going back decades here. I remember watching VHS tapes, uh, you know, what I mean is the actual mask that protect your, your nose and mouth. They always seem to be way ahead of the curve, those Japanese. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, right, in some countries, 
you know, wearing a, a um, protective mask for germs, like, is like a common thing. I mean, I hope that we're not in the position where, where that becomes, you know, where that has to continue on, you know, in a year or two, but it might be a, a cultural shift. So we might need our own masks, whether from Mexico or Japan, to keep it interesting. Yes. And when I was down in Mexico, I remember going back a couple of years, the actual masks, like Lucha Libre masks, man, they were a hot seller. They were at every uh, little uh, tourist spot imaginable. Even some non-tourist spots as you're like walking down the street from bar to bar, you see people selling those masks. So I got a, I got a couple of them. They were uh, pretty cool stuff. Well, um, when I had a coworker go to Thailand, I was like, can you get me some Thai shorts? <laughs> so that was, that was cool. Sometimes when I'm low on laundry, I just uh, <laughs> put those on there. Nice. Um, as far as Scherer Auditorium in Alabama, what is this story? What's the latest on this? What's going on down there? Right. So this is, you know, one of those like old venues that's, you know, smaller that you can imagine it having been in the regional days somewhere that, you know, the Alabama territory or whatever would pass through in Jasper, Alabama. And, um, you know, it's not being, it's, pretty much as they described it in the article on the Mountain Eagle, that's pretty much unused and unappreciated. Um, it was uh, one of those New Deal public works projects from 1938. And uh, currently, uh, you know, one of the suggestions is that um, they should start running, you know, some pro wrestling there, which every once in a while I see that, like, you know, there's a smaller, modest building and you're kind of like, well, why don't, you know, why don't we get it going again and um, and do some pro wrestling? That is interesting as far as just like those smaller arenas and how can they kind of keep the arena or in this case, the auditorium going, what could they get? Are they going to have to bring in a smaller type show? Like how could they kind of keep it going? COVID's going to stop them kind of um, at every turn and can you get fans to show up? But Maybe wrestling is the way to do it. Maybe wrestling can save some of these smaller venues. Yeah, especially like, you know, if you're thinking a little bit ahead, hopefully things open up a little bit. But also if it's like a city-owned facility, sometimes it's more trouble like to not knock the thing down. So they're they're trying to figure out ways to like either lessen the costs of, of keeping it open or just to get something going there. So, you know, there's uh, there's a variety of suggestions. The, the publisher of this newspaper is the one actually suggesting pro wrestling, but there's ideas of like a homeless shelter, entertainment venue, municipal court. So it's like, you know, all across the board. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I feel like wrestling can save these places, but then I'm thinking sometimes, I don't know if the fans really care to go to live shows, but we've talked about this a few weeks ago. Maybe people are dying to go and the wrestling fans out there are dying to see something live and get out of the house and do stuff. So, yeah, maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. And it sort of depends on like what your expectations are. If it's something that can make money with like 150 to 200 people a week, that's one thing. But if you have the expectation that you're going to fill it like um, the peak Alabama territory with the Armstrongs or something, and like you can't really go back in time in that way. Yeah, maybe uh, run some conventions and bring those guys back. But uh, who knows how long that wouldn't really it could draw a few hundred fans. But who knows? I don't think that's going to be your savior, or your saving grace. Yeah, the only like I, I don't know how they're doing, but they've been doing it a while. There's, um, you know, like a little person's league um, where uh, 
it's like every week they have they have a show in I think in Tennessee or somewhere in the south and somebody uh informed me like they're like oh that's like a, a big tourist spot where people pass through because it's like it's well positioned with a number of big towns so there it makes sense you know people are passing through there's some modest entertainment if you get a good amount of people to go you know you could keep it going let's talk about something we don't talk about too often a little bit here when when news pops up but that is some wwe news and some wwe stories stephanie mcmahon and the fan lab what is the latest on this and what is the fan lab right so the fan uh lab is um an initiative to double the investment in women's sports and the way that they want to do that is um, actually show that um, women's like data and show that women's sports you know helps to make money and you should invest in it so stephanie mcmahon was quoted in sort of like their announcement in 2015 our audience started a movement on social media using the hashtag give divas a chance that trended worldwide for three days and hastened what wwe now calls the women's evolution creating equal opportunity for our female superstars the numbers and the sentiment from fans show there's a clear market for women's sports and it's up to brands networks and media to invest and help move the industry forward so you know it's sort of like more on brand that Stephanie, when she sees um, at least outwardly opportunities for women in, in sports to position herself as a champion of that, um, she you know promotes it on her Twitter and in, in articles and so on. So this is you know something along those lines. What is kind of, I don't know, I feel like her end game, she keeps kind of promoting it. Is it just like for publicity is a pr thing is it a way to make money for some reason i feel like she always puts stuff out there and is interested in things but it almost seems more of a pr thing than a financial thing yeah like you know it's hard to to say what her motivations are but it's kind of similar to um her mom linda that had certain things that like you know, when she was looking to position herself outside of wrestling or like in a different way as a leader, that women's empowerment was like a big issue. So Stephanie kind of has the same torch that she's carrying. Are you buying that they're really trying to uh, invest in like the women's sports community as a quote unquote business savvy decision? Or you think that there's another thing at play here as far as um, what WWE may be up to? Yeah, I think it's sort of, you know, whatever drives revenue and there's always the struggle with public perception and, um, you know, who they are. So, um, you know, it's something that you can grasp on to is, is women's empowerment, which I think is a great initiative. If you're genuine about it, uh, we don't know where they stand, but if not, you know, it comes across as like a little uh, too much on the nose. To me sometimes, and I, I could be completely wrong, but it seems like Vince is more money, 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 let's make money. And Stephanie's like, well, let's clean up our image. We need to do this, that. It just That's the way it comes across. I know she's a chief brand officer and that's kind of her thing, but it just, to me, always seems like she's kind of more, more of like just PR and maybe that's not going to make them a ton of money, but, but maybe it'll make them look good. And Vince is like, I'm just going to go over here and make a billion dollar deal with Peacock because, uh, you know, it's I'm a, I'm, the business guy here. No, it's a good balance. Like Stephanie, I think she did take on more responsibility that came out in one of the 
the calls recently. So her power is continuing to grow, but it's it's a smart idea because you know the company obviously has a somewhat of a dark past. Um, like it's always repositioning itself. Sometimes people are quick to forget about some of the bad things that happened. They're like, oh, it's just you know it's just fun or whatever, and then something bad happens, and then they have to kind of circle back to it or embarrass themselves. So the more positive sort of energy you could put out there. Um, you know, the better, which, which leads into the next point. Yeah. Why don't you, what, what is your next point? Let's hear this. You're going to start talking about uh, the CBO doing anything else, you know, to maybe further the brand. Oh, sure. So, um, sorry, I was referencing the, you know, their special Olympics announcement. Oh, oh, oh I thought you were going to go into maybe that she was uh, getting into something else. Like she was going to, uh, break off WB into some other woman's sports thing or something. Okay. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Threw a curveball. No, um, but, you know, their relationship, which we talked about all the way back to the Trumania podcast and when we were talking about, like, the mid-'90s and uh, WWE was, you know, involved in the um, uh, Special Olympics um, mm -hmm. yep. there, that yep. I think it's great. Like, like when you look at it just in terms – so – WWE announces partnership with 2022 Special Olympics USA Games. So um, WWE will be presenting will be the presenting partner of powerlifting and offer promotional support, including content series and appearances by WWE superstars, which is awesome because it's obviously a great event. Um, you know, it's helping um, people. And, um, you know, everyone has something good to say about Special Olympics and, and related programming. And WWE has gotten a lot better about sort of like the way that they present themselves, but it's always like a little bit awkward because they're like, we, we love Special Olympics and we have all of these, you know, great fans. And then at the other time, like there's like a history of, of making fun of people with, um, with disabilities or, you know, the Eugene character or, mm -hmm. Fe or Festus um, where now, you know, and, and he's, he's fine to do so. Like Eugene said that, a lot of his fans were people with um, disabilities who loved him, which makes a lot of sense because, you know, he was a positive character. But at the same time, it was sort of making fun of somebody with, with those challenges. So as far as, as that goes, I saw a picture that they posted, but it looked like an old picture. Is it, they, I feel like they do that sometimes. I don't know why. Like, to me, this is a billion dollar company. They could kind of update it. But it was a picture of Becky Lynch. And kind of promoting Special Olympics. Was I looking at an old picture, or did they recycle an older picture? No, that's a great point because um, uh, Becky Lynch, um, I believe, yes, yeah, she did have the baby, and she's been, you know, home on maternity leave. If if she is going to return, or she's, you know, on leave from the company. Um, so, um, but it looks like something when she was more active, maybe she made an appearance at a special Olympics ceremony. Uh, you know, even if it's a few years old, as long as it's not like too awkward. I think we talked about a picture that they used for some other promotional purposes where it was obviously like some of the talent had turned over or something about it was, was stale. So, you know, if they had this lying around, you know, it looks okay. Yeah. I remember, I think, what was it? That, that old picture that they had, uh, we were talking about a few weeks ago that they posted on, on LinkedIn and they had somebody else as like the champion on there. It wasn't McIntyre. It was weird. It was like they always kind of would just put something up on LinkedIn or post something. It's like, why can't you get an updated picture? Use like a, just a WB logo picture or something. I just, sometimes I find that funny. Just it's not accurate. 
uh, you know what I mean? The picture isn't accurate to the time. Yeah, that's the problem. Like when you had Hulk Hogan champion for years and, and so on, like part of it, you're thinking, well, why don't you move it around a lot? It would make the TV more interesting. But especially with branding and merchandising, if you're going to sell like the Hulk Hogan toy and then there's a new champion every three months like the attitude era or, or faster it's very hard to like catch up because those things you have to be produced and you know like um if it's a product that goes into stores um uh, you know it's hard to stay on top of things as far as the singh brothers and they're standing with indian farmers what was going on here was this another kind of pr thing with uh, the indian press no so it's actually it's interesting it's um I, you know and i can't say that I'm an expert on sort of like the the issues that are going on in India, but um, Indian farmers, as far as I understand from like uh, individual or, or smaller farmers, they feel that they're not being treated right by the government, that the government favors um, <coughs> the bigger farms or, or farm like corporations. So a lot of people are protesting and there is um, some unrest in the country due to that. So the Singh brothers stood out, you know, in support, um, they're Canadian, but in, in support of, um, you know, of their heritage or, or, or of people from India. And the Singh brothers are doing this kind of, was it in conjunction with WB or was it kind of just something they did on their own? I think it would be more on their own, especially with I mean, India is, is uh, you know, they don't control all commerce and everything like like some of the countries where WWE has to deal with, uh, certainly nothing like Saudi Arabia. Um, so it's not like you have to have the government love you in order to do business there. But I think WWE would rather everyone portray a, a very positive image of India. They just are claiming 20 million people watched their special. So to have this come out so soon afterwards you know, they're probably not thrilled with that. And I think it was more the Singh brothers own initiative, which, you know, good for them. I think, you know, sometimes you have to stand up for what's meaningful to you. WB marketing or the former marketing VP has now joined Panda. And I, it's probably not the Panda that you're thinking of Panda energy, but rather Panda global as a sales and sponsorship strategist, First of all, who is this former marketing VP joining Panda and what is Panda? Right. So um, Dave Riggs is the marketing VP that joined Fan Panda and that's eSports. So I thought it was just interesting, A, the name Panda, but also to show that like a business like eSports is looking to like sports and entertainment more to have people that are trained in that traditional way, um, you know, in, in order to market their products, I think people see esports now and esports competitions as you know it is big business and in some of the games hundreds of million people around the world end up watching it so they're looking to companies like wwe like how do they market themselves successfully so with you know panda i mean and releasing these guys do you think that they are you know gonna make waves you know what I mean? Like Wilson and Barrios, they're kind of trying to make waves. When these guys get released, do you think that, you know, WB keeps track of these guys? Do they see them making waves? Does any of this kind of register with WB when these people get released or are they just like they're done with them? I think it's sort of like, um, you know, everyone is busy with, with whatever they were doing. So probably unless, I mean, the Wilson and Barrios one, like you can't not let that be on your radar. 
but um uh but you know everyone is so busy with um, with what they have to do that it's often um lost do you think that panda global will be a part of panda energy anytime soon with the carters <laughs> that would be great <laughs> you can see we're both pandas let's merge let's have harmony <laughs> Where are the Carters? I haven't heard anything from them. Just a random thought that just popped in my head as I'm still looking at Panda. Where have question. they been? What's uh, well? Hmm. Let's let's go. Let's see. We'll we'll do it in live time. I, I'm curious now too. Let's do Dixie Carter. Okay, so she Dixie Carter. Um, she is the president of Panda Biotech for the last uh, two years and three months uh, prior to running Trifecta Entertainment and being president of Impact Wrestling. So I think Trifecta was the PR company that sort of ended up getting hired by Jeff Jarrett to do PR for um, TNA at the time. And then, of course, she ended up bailing them out and, and handed bought the company. So she wound that down in 2018. And now she's with, uh, you know, her, her father's company directly as a as the president of Panda Biotech, uh, the first ever in the emerging U.S. industrial hemp premium textile grade natural fiber and cellulose, which this division looks small that there's um, 10 uh, employees of this uh, company, uh, at least on here. Okay, and her father is Robert, right? Robert Carter? Um, Bob Carter. Okay, so, right, 1982-2011, chairman, CEO, and then it's interesting, uh, Panda Power Funds, 2018, 2008 to present, but then Panda Biotech is 2019 to present. So I wonder if, like, you know, if there was some sort of uh, exchange, sometimes when you move the company from one one thing to another, where like rebranding for uh, for different financial advantages. Interesting. Uh, just wanted to uh, see what they were up to. They just kind of crossed my mind as we we're talking about Panda, and obviously, anytime you mention Panda, you just automatically think of Panda Energy or the World Wildlife Fund. Either one. Was it the wrestler inside wrestling that had? Where are they now? Oh yeah, was it the wrestler? I, I want to like say it was the wrestler. Yeah, for sure. I love one of that those. Section. Hey, does cool the uh, dot com does it all the time too? Where are they now? Oh yeah, I always go to the Barry Harwitz one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they did Beefcake not that long ago too. Hmm. It's kind of cool, like when they do it, and then like two or three months later, they're back with the company. It's like I know where they are now. So, as far as other WWE news. What is going on? Is this the circus is coming to town? I mean, what's going on with them? Okay, so um, do you know uh, Reginald, uh, Sasha, um, uh, Carmela's um, second? Her sommelier, yes. Yes, so, um, <laughs> so he comes from the world of the circus, Circus Harmony. So um, it's interesting because... Uh, um, he's actually still sort of officially employed by them. Um, and uh, when wrestling was considered an essential service in Florida, he sort of made his way to NXT and, and made a, a new career out of it. Interesting. Circuit, what is it? Circuit de la Soleil or whatever the heck that, uh, that thing is down there. Uh, were they uh, basically the gymnast stuff? 
Yeah, so I don't know if Circus Harmony and Circus Soleil is sort of like the same thing or an offshoot, but they list in this article on riverbender.com that Cirque du Soleil is his current employer, but that he's sort of an alumni of the Circus Harmony. So, and you can imagine people from the circus doing very well in pro wrestling. I don't think anything is a smooth transition. Some people have, you know, better grasp of one thing than another, but I mean, that could be a good place to, to recruit people. I wonder where he goes from. I know he's going to be Carmelo's second, and you know, obviously he's he's there to you know help garner and get a lot of heat for her, and kind of take a beating sometimes. But he's obviously a very small guy. He's actually probably shorter than Sasha Banks. But they had a match a couple of weeks ago, and she tapped him out. Like, where do you go from there? From there, you know, you're lost to a woman in a match, and you know, you're a man, and you're getting tapped out. It just it just kind of was like, wow, I wonder where they're going with here. He's kind of more of like a jokey character, but you could tell. Definitely that that whatever whatever it is Cirque Day Soleil whatever it is he's got a background as far as acrobatics very athletic guy. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see like how people um, transition like into the company or who's like newly available that you wouldn't have planned for it because they were doing something else in the in a different field. And the final WWE topic: Snoop Dogg makes a, a WWE license agreement. What is this license deal and and this debut with Snoop Dogg in the WWE, who was recently on AEW doing the worst splash ever in the history of the business? <laughs> yeah, so that's that's why I thought it was like um, uh, really interesting because you know he's just on AEW, and sometimes you'll see that with like WWE, they'll be like, "Well, we have to get him back in the fold." But I'd imagine this was in motion, sort of like back then because these type of deals take a while um so one of their um games i guess it's their online game wwe champions 2021 celebrates his fourth anniversary with the in-game debut of snoop dogg um players can add snoop dogg to their roster and compete against more than 250 wwe superstars and legends so maybe it's kind of like um you know, an NBA jam when you can play as like Bill Clinton or Al Gore. So now you can wrestle as Snoop Dogg. Very weird. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I'm not really seeing the, the connection there. I know he's a pop culture star and all this other stuff, but I mean, him being all over the wrestling world, I guess he's just a, a big fan, but just interesting to me that uh, he's making all these deals. Yeah, it's, it's a good way like to get out there now. If he goes back to AEW after this announcement, that would be really interesting. The thing is, he also has those Undertaker, right? Those collaboration shirts, and you know all the all the other stuff that that he's doing besides the video game. He's also got all those uh, T-shirts and stuff. Mm, yeah, Snoop Dogg knows how to make the um, the money for shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that is uh, for sure. As far as any other uh, WWE news, we'll obviously stay on track and, and we'll keep up with with the latest from the world of the WWE. But usually, it's it's a very small part of the show. Usually, it's much more obviously the business of all the other businesses and some of the other stories that you may not have heard elsewhere. But all I feel like all these WWE stories were key and were important kind of business stories for the week. Yeah, and I don't think uh, any of these were were pretty well uh, covered. So, um, you know, we're not going to talk about WWE quarterly earnings or the Wednesday Night Wars, but when it's something that affects the business that's um, not really talked about in other outlets or not covered in depth, we want to make sure that uh, you don't miss out. 
Absolutely. Now, as far as some plugs, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out my website, TMPT Empire. Dot com for all the latest and greatest going on on the a two-man power trip of wrestling. Lavi, what do you got? What's going on? So follow me on Twitter at Lavi Marg, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. Go to my website, lioncubjobsearch.com, and check out my books on amazon.com. Now, as far as – here's the curveball. I, I got it coming for you every week. What about next week? What do you got in store for us? So next week we have uh, a special guest, um, Brandon Thurston, uh, probably are up there as one of the most named uh, name drop people on the show, uh, neck and neck with Court Bauer. And um, he dropped a great report. Everyone go check it out. Get a copy of the PDF, the WrestleNomics 2020 uh, report. And we're going to be focusing on the non-WWE, non-Wednesday Night Wars aspects of it. So we'll dive deep into social media and business indicators of some of the other pro wrestling companies or some aspects of the bigger companies that aren't as often covered. Had the opportunity to interview Brandon not that long ago, basically a few months ago, man. He's a smart kid. He's got a smart guy. He's got so much going on and he's uh, really on top of it. And and his spreadsheets and his other stuff, the way he's able to break down the business, it is great. And if you're into that, that stuff, and obviously you're listening to the show, so you're definitely interested in that stuff. He breaks it down so well and very kind of easy reading so to speak it's nothing like you're like oh what the hell does that mean i mean it's it's pretty uh, self-explanatory but he breaks it down gets you a lot of information you need to know when i do my other shows and let's say kevin sullivan's got questions about like hey what, what was the buy rate to this show or what what was the attendance stuff i usually go to wrestlenomics and, and check it out because they usually have very very accurate information and they have exactly what i'm meeting so very much looking forward to that next week as brandon joins the show and like to thank everybody for joining us this week. And we'll see you right back here next week on the business of the business. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.